Writer and former director of the Banff Mountain Film Festival, Bernadette McDonald, has a new book that offers a unique perspective on high-altitude climbing in the Himalaya. As the author of several titles on the subject, she's well-regarded in the international mountaineering community. And back in 2003, she came up with an idea for this latest project at an adventure film festival in Poland. And as most ideas do, this one began at a party. It was the after party of this festival, and I was in the clubhouse of the Katowice Mountain Club. I knew a number of these climbers from my years working at the festival, of course, but in this particular situation, I was sort of swamped with them. I mean, there were dozens of them in this clubhouse, and it was the end of a festival, and there, you know, there was a lot of energy in the room, but it wasn't just about the festival. It was about a community of the hardest core climbers I had ever seen in my life. And the stories that I heard that night, the passion and the depth of their history in the mountains absolutely astonished me. But the other thing that struck me was that it felt like it was the end of an era because a lot of the best of those climbers had already died in the mountains. And it, it felt a bit like an Irish wake. That's the way it struck me. And so I thought that there was a story here because the situation in which they grew up, the conditions, the hardships that they endured were so different than anything I had ever experienced and anything that most people that I knew had experienced. And I somehow felt that those two things were linked. From the mid-1970s through the 80s, Polish climbers dominated the Himalayan mountaineering scene. This generation of adventurers rose up from the horrific occupation by Nazi Germany during World War II, only to be subjugated afterward by the Soviet Union during the Cold War. For thousands of young people at that time, the mountains were their only escape, and many of them ventured far away from Poland into the high places of Central Asia where they distinguished themselves among the best alpinists in the world. In her book, Freedom Climbers, Bernadette McDonald tells us their story. I'm James Mills. And you're listening to The Joy Trip Project. What is it about the post-World War II Soviet era experience that created this generation of Polish climbers? Well, I think there are a couple of things, maybe more than a couple. One is that within the country, there was, like in most Soviet bloc countries, there was a very well-organized mountaineering tradition in, in terms of instruction. So there were classes, there were practical classes and theoretical classes, and you could basically learn to be a climber. And in fact, you had to learn to properly if you wanted to get permission to even climb in the Tatras, and certainly to climb abroad. So in that sense, there was a good instructional basis. The other thing is that they were tough because their lives were tough. So it's not like they were soft. And the third thing was that within Poland, it didn't really seem to matter if you were educated or not. Your chances for having a brilliant career, for self-fulfillment, for realizing your dreams were almost non-existent. So in order to do that, 
you had to do it outside of Poland. And this strange sort of paradox was that if you were a climber and if you were good enough, you could get out of Poland. And so that's what they did. They spent as much time as they could possibly afford in the Himalaya, climbing, realizing their dreams, fulfilling themselves. Freedom. They were free. <laughs> so I guess it's fair to say that they didn't just get out of Poland. They went all the way to the highest places in the world. Tell me a little bit about the individuals, the people in your, in your book that make up the characters of freedom climbers. Well, the most difficult thing I can honestly say about writing this book was, who was I going to leave out? Because there, there weren't just a few star climbers. There are some star climbers that most of the world had heard about. But everyone I talked to in Poland would say, you know, this person that nobody knows the name of is, is also uh, equally as good a climber. But still, I had to choose. So what I did in this book, I have sort of three different layers of characters. And the three most sort of compelling characters in my mind were Wanda Rutkiewicz, first lady of really Himalayan climbing, I think you could say. She sort of set the standard and she laid the groundwork for all women climbing in the Himalaya since then. Yurik Kokushka, who was the second person to climb all 8,000 meter peaks, but more importantly, he did them in a style that really set new standards. And the third character is not just a climbing character, but a philosopher, a dreamer, a thinker, Wojtek Kurtyka whose real specialty was big walls, lightweight, incredibly fast. Those are the three main characters, and I really worked as hard as I could to develop their characters as deeply as I, I could possibly do, which was difficult for the first two because they're no longer alive. But luckily there are lots of people who knew them, who climbed with them, and their families are, are alive, and they cooperated with me. With Wojtek it was easy because he, he communicates extremely well. Sure. So now of those three characters, I think throughout the book you weave a narrative around their lives relative to not only events in climbing, but also in world events. The Solidarity Movement in Poland, the, the rise of Lech Walesa as the, the first president of Poland, and a variety of other stories. What is it about that particular era historically that lends itself to driving this generation, these three individuals in particular, to create the Himalayan climbing tradition in Poland that you write about? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, to tell you the truth, I think that, that the context, the backstory of almost any really interesting, say, Himalayan climber or group of climbers is, is, is very interesting. I think a lot of times it's not explored, but um, I remember when I was in university studying music, one of the best um, textbooks that I ever had was History of Music, but it gave context all the way through. What was going on politically? Was there an industrial revolution? You know, was there famine? You know, what was going on in the world that would actually create this situation for Mozart to write these kinds of pieces? And so what was going on in Poland during this time, of course, was quite violent. I mean, of war, obviously, very violent. But also after the war, it, it was almost like <clears throat> refugees moving around the country, people being displaced from one part of the country, having to move to another, you know, uprooting their families. There was a lot of dysfunctionality in the families, again, because no hope of a good job, really no hope of getting ahead. So there was a lot of drinking. Um, there was a lot of depression. Families that were torn apart. Uh, there was violence in families. And that's what these kids grew up with. 
from what I heard from so many people, is that the mountains, even if it was just a local crag, which was where they started, gave them a, a place of peace. One of the things that really is an overriding theme throughout the entire book is toughness. I mean, these are incredibly tough, hard individuals, you know, not just in terms of their physical attributes, but, you know, in terms of how they approach climbing, how they lead their groups and the, their teams. Let's, let's talk about Wanda for a moment. I mean, as the, the, the first woman of Himalayan climbing, not just in Poland, but, you know, worldwide, what was it about her character that makes her a great climber, but also uh, perhaps a difficult person to climb with? Mm-hmm. Well, Wanda... Of all the families that I mentioned, hers was possibly the most dysfunctional. So for Wanda to go to the Karakoram or the Himalayas or or even to the Alps, I mean, obviously she loved to climb and she was very good, she was very strong, and she was technically very good. And she, she was kind of a natural leader. And she had to be. I mean, she was a natural leader because she had to be in her home life. Her father was killed, her brother was killed, her mother was very timid and, and, and couldn't manage things. Wanda was like the, the, the patriarch, actually, of that family as a teenager. So it was natural for her to be a leader in the mountains. But one of the things that made her tough, I think, was that you know you, you think that uh, living in the mountains and being on expeditions is a tough life, and it is. The, the, uh, the conditions are extreme. But... As somebody said, and I don't think it was Wanda, but somebody said, yeah, so there's a storm, you know, you're, someone's injured, and you're, you're going to go home? Of course not. You know, of course we're going to stay here as long as we possibly can. And that's what made Wanda and the others so successful, is that they would be willing to stay on month after month after month when the Austrians would go home and the Germans would go home and the Brits would go home because the conditions weren't good. The Poles just stayed on because they didn't have much to go home to. And then you get someone like Yurik, who has severe frostbite and is working on competing with Reinhold Messner to climb all the 8,000-meter peaks. He, he summits K2, comes down, and then hikes to Dalagiri. It was actually Dalagiri that he summited, and then he came down, and then he went over to Choyu. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Forgive me for not getting that straight. No, but, but, but again, I mean, it, I, he was suffering. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean in, in such a way that, that his life and his climbing ability was compromised, and yet he still did it. I mean, where does that come from? Well, you know, it's interesting because throughout his life, Jurek Kakushka always said that he wasn't in competition with Messner. At one point, I believed it, and in fact, I what I bought into was this concept that Carlos Carsolio had, which was, look, for us people coming from poor countries, the 8,000-meter so-called race was a marketing ploy for us to, to have money to go. And I think there's some truth to that, but there's no question that that winter, when he was doing those two climbs, he was thinking about the race because he was hurting and he was tired. And when he finished with Choyu, and he did finally go to the hospital in Delhi, his wife told me, and even in his diaries, he'd had it. He really wanted to go home and be with his family. But he couldn't. He had to stay on and keep climbing. The stories that unfold throughout your book are both riveting and compelling. It actually reads more like a novel than a historical very factual account of of what happened through that era. How do we as Western climbers in the United States benefit from the stories of the Soviet-era Polish climbers? 
it's it's an interesting question. I mean, the, the bit about the novel, I suppose if it does read that way, it's probably because I spent maybe more time dealing with the characters than most climbing books do, because I, I think they're really interesting people. Not all climbers are as interesting as others, but I did think that these people were very interesting. But as far as, you know, what value does a book like this have for Western people, I think there are different different things for different people. For climbers, certainly, this is an incredibly important era in the history of Himalayan climbing. And if we don't know, you know, if we just know the, the high points, I don't think it's good enough. I think we, we sort of do need to know what those guys did over there, because that was a, an important era. But... I think as characters, they were worth exploring. I think they were incredibly tough, resilient, entrepreneurial, generous, stubborn, and amazing characters. And I think it's kind of interesting to to read about people like that. The book, Freedom Climbers by Bernadette MacDonald, took the 2011 Banff Mountain Film and Book Festival Grand Prize in Literature. You can learn more about the Polish Himalayan climbing experience online at BernadetteMcDonald.ca. For the Joy Trip Project, this is James Mills. Music this week by guitarist Alex Chudnowski and singer-songwriter Carol B. Englehart. The Joy Trip Project is made possible with the support of our sponsor, Patagonia. Find out about their new media and conservation initiatives on their website, thecleanestline.com. And special thanks to the Walton Works, whose generous support helped to underwrite travel expenses to Banff so I could bring back this and other great stories. Visit thewaltonworks.com. Thanks for listening, but you know, we want to hear from you. So please, drop us a note with your questions, comments, or criticisms to info at joytripproject.com. Until next time, take care.